Welcome to another episode of Said Your Nan, a podcast tackling the stigma of men's mental health. Proudly presented by On The Men Charity. My name is James. And my name is Stuart. We're just two guys that got together to raise awareness on men's mental health. During these episodes, we will talk about important issues facing men and their mental health. We are by no means professional and the opinions in this podcast are our own, but please feel free to join in the conversation. Each episode will see us discuss different topics to help everyone better understand the ways that men deal or don't with their mental health. Overall, our aim is to get people talking. Hello James, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm alright, my eyes are watering at the moment. Really? Why is that? <laughs> Why is that? Well... Just before we click record, I decided to uh, let out a che- cheeky little chuff, and uh, yeah, let's just say it's it's a lot worse than I thought it would be. So uh, I'm currently in a uh, enclosed room with uh, limited ventilation. So uh, yeah, my eyes are my eyes are watering. So if you kind of drop during the middle of this episode, <laughs> yeah, if I go Where's quiet, I'm not ignoring you. I've just passed out. Uh, do I need to send help? Uh... <laughs> yeah, send help. Oh, bless y'all. Oh, to be fair, I mean, we just sent a minute ago. It couldn't have been worse than the other day when we were sat in that office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in closed meeting so room. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry. I really am. That was a bad day for me. I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's amazing, right? So, because you've probably got men and women listening to this. Like, we know we've got different stats. Um, you can only imagine the reaction differences between man and woman on this conversation. <laughs> Oh yeah, different. well, women might not talk about it, but they let off some of the most deadliest farts around. So uh... I, I know, right? And there was a there was a, um, a Instagram post where they did like um, infrared views of people farting. Yeah, um, and most of the p- videos they took were of women stood at the side of the road or just sat down at eating lunch or something. And uh, some of them were a little bit more powerful than the men. I'll tell you that. Well, I think you can uh, see it. There, there was one of the comedians that did a, a little skit about that, wasn't there? And he goes like, you know, you you women, you've got the ability to drop them silent, but my God, they're deadly. He goes, you know, I was at a, I was at a party the other day and uh, I'm standing there and my, uh, my wife just went <laughs> and fucked off, left me standing there <laughs> with my paper plate with a scotch egg on it and people are going, cool, mate, I think that's off, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All think they're innocent, right? Should have saved that for the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've done it now. That's the joke, yeah. done. Yeah, that's it. Jobs are good. Jobs are good. Anyway, how's your? Uh, how you been? You know, a couple of weeks. What's uh, what's been going on? Uh, I've moved. Found a house. I think maybe up in sunny Sheffield, and Very it is good. Sheffield. So I think orig- originally it was going to be Chesterfield, but not that there's a million miles between the two, um, and it's literally on the the border of. Um, but there was just a beautiful house just on the very border of Chesterfield and Sheffield that you know we like the look of, and we're just waiting to hear to fact to see if it's all good. So, yeah, excellent. Nice. So that's and that's pretty much been the extent of my last two weeks is house hunting and finding something decent. It's driven me mental. It really has. So you are you officially a northerner now then? Oh, I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, until until my address changes, it's currently still down south. Until my address changes, I'm going to cling on to being a southerner for another couple of weeks. Um, but then, yeah. So, 
I will officially be a well, a, uh, an honorary northerner again for the second time in honorary. Mm. Yeah, honorary. Um, then effectively should move in the week before going on holiday. So it'll be a good, uh, a good couple of weeks. If you get knackered for the first week and then chill mm. out for the second. Speaking of holidays, excited. I am indeed. I am indeed. But in fact, I guess by the time this gets released, I will have uh, will have been and done it. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. yeah. Did you come back and tell us all about it? Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, going abroad, going to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> yeah, you need to get a ship and everything. God. Absolutely. It's technically like going, a- going abroad, right? You get on a ship, you-, you go to a different island, country. Yeah. It is abroad. Yeah. Absolutely. In a broad sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'd be good. Look That's forward good. to that. Look forward to that. I think my uh, my big worry is the uh, trying to keep up with the you know the routine I'm in now of, of healthy eating, living, and and all that good stuff. Because you know, let's face it, we all know it goes out the window when you're on holiday. It does, but I think a lot of people will sit and talk about it. But a lot of people will go, Do you know what? You kind of deserve it a little bit because your body goes through a lot, and mm. as much as remaining healthy and eating well and exercising and you'd have to go crazy right i mean it's not like fish and chips every day you know and bottles of wine every night and chocolates here and there you have to go crazy but in moderation but you can up your game a little bit because you do literally only live once and if you can't enjoy life a little bit and have a little bit of what's bad for you you know you kind of take the fun out of life you're going on holiday you know you're going to put work behind you you're going to start to enjoy yourself a little bit. Why not have a glass of wine? Why not, you know, have that extra bit of fudge, double fudge chocolate cake? Because I would. Um, just enjoy it, mate. Just enjoy yeah. yourself. You know what's comfortable. Because you'll come back and you'll get back on it again because you've got yourself in the zone. It's harder to get back on it, though. I, I think I shall try and maintain some sort of semblance while I'm away, just so it's not as hard mm. to, to pull back. He says, as this email's just landed in his bo- inbox, McDonald's Monday, more than 50% off six chicken nuggets. Only £1.39. <laughs> Thank well, you for the emotional I'll be chatting support and... there, McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be chatting in a minute and you'll be quiet. I'm not... Bloody as you suddenly come. Just got, my, just got myself six chicken nuggets. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, do, do you know what disappointing about McDonald's? What? They're binning off the Biscoff McFlurry. I know, right? What's what that? I mean, that's literally... I mean, I've, I haven't had a McFlurry in years, right? I don't really eat McFlurries. Since the Biscoff come, one came out, I've had like four. You know, so in that respect, I mean, keep it. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> Just it for me. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. It's a really, really nice McFlurry. It's actually yeah. very, very nice. I got, I got to share that experience with you, didn't I? And uh, we were sitting in that McDonald's following uh, one of our walks. <laughs> I know, right? It was, that's the thing, right? You see, you go, that's what am I going to have now? <laughs> After we do 30 miles or whatever it is. Yeah. That was a shorter one, but yeah. But yeah. No, it was um, it was nice. It's a shame if they get rid of it. it is. And I had one again weekend. Mm. Mm. But it's, uh, it's marketing I almost tactics, went isn't it? Though. Scarcity. Mm, that's true. So, still, uh, though, how long we got to wait for it to come back out again? Yeah, yeah. I still miss the McRib. That's so my, does uh, favourite. Krusty the Clown. It's <laughs> a reference and a half, isn't it? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All clowns miss it. Sorry, mate. Jesus. So just uh, <laughs> to pick you up on something you mentioned earlier was the uh, 
northerner for the second time in 20 years. It's actually a bit longer than yeah. that, I think you find. No, is it really? It would be, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. No, it's not. We think I've, I've, I've been at our current firm four years in a couple of months. And uh, prior to that, I'd done 18 years at the previous firm. So that's 22 years. And it was pretty early on in my career in the previous firm that you you escaped back down south. So I I was I officially moved up north for the first time in 2024. What next so year? Just shy of 20 years. Yeah. Just sorry, 2004. <laughs> what am I? Next 2004. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I officially north. moved. I moved up north from down south in right. 2004 originally. So it's nearly 20 years, 19 years. Hmm. There you go. So, because I joined the same company as you in two thousand yeah. uh, mid two thousand and two. Yeah. And then I didn't officially move for eighteen months. I think. Because uh. of when I reg- originally started, I ended up moving to of all places Ipswich and Norwich. Interesting. So it was either two, it was either late two thousand and three. Early 2004, but yeah, there you go. So, two decades. Well, well. So now you know. Some would say you've just you've now just come home. <laughs> That's it, yeah. I've, I've lived here longer than I've lived down south. Yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah. That's not true, because I'm old. But yeah. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> just for men's coming out later. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was going to do mine before I got on holiday. <laughs> Just gonna do mine before I go down to London, mate, so people don't start like putting me by the side of streets or something like that and throwing money at me. <laughs> hey, as long as it's pound coins, you can find a use for them. <laughs> that is very true. Oh dear, pleasure. Anyway, on that note. <laughs> so, um today's episode, we're gonna um as you our constant listeners will remember, last season we did a a special um, where I gave some insight into my history with mental health and some of the the, the things I've been through in my life, um, which culminated in the, the loss of my daughter. So uh, today's episode, uh, Stu's going to give a bit of uh, insight into some of the things he's been through in uh, in his life, and obviously I'll, I'll ask questions along the way. Sounds good. So Sounds would you good. like to lead us off? I will. We're going to delve so, into I mean, your closet. Start... Let's go. <laughs> you don't, no one needs to be in there. It's the worst place. Um, amongst all the jackets, though, there are some look, little demons and stuff in there that, that I'll chat about now. I mean, uh, to give some context, when I was in my 20s, I didn't really believe in mental health issues, and I certainly didn't see stress or anxiety as being real. You know, I, I, one of those typical people, people that sit there and go, oh, it's not, you haven't got stress and anxiety. You're just, you're just feeling stressed and you're not, you know, you can feel that way because of certain situations, but it's not a medical condition. You know, that used to be my, my kind of go-to until obviously more recently in the last four or five years where, you know, you look at how the world has changed and how people are affected by certain things. And you can see that these really are medical conditions and there really are problems. Um, but I was, I mean, I, I, I mean, most people that know me is I don't display emotion very well or at mm-hmm. all. You know, I, I could be a robot for all anyone knows. I, I'm literally an Android. There you go. 
Um, and I don't display emotions very well and haven't done, even through knowing more about life. But I've gone through some stuff. Um, and I'll pick on the first thing I'll talk about is because I've got three separate instances of things I want to talk about. And I think I dealt with all three of them very differently. Okay. Which is, which is yeah, I don't know. You make up my mind up. The first one was my nan. So for many years as a, as a, as a youngster growing up in my, you know, very early childhood, to teenage childhood, um, my nan was a huge part of my family. So Christmases were very routine. We would wake up on Christmas morning, we'd open some presents, we'd play for them for a little while, and then we'd go to my nan's and have dinner there. And it was, it was, it was, she was very much an integral part of life. She would visit the house two, three, four times a week to go spend some time with my mum, who was looking after us as kids. She was very much a big part of our life, loved her to pieces, fantastic woman. But towards the later part of her life, um, she was visibly drinking. So it was like quite quite apparent, you know, drinking to the point of where sometimes my mum would get phone calls where she'd taken a bottle of whiskey from Sainsbury's and put it in her bag and not paid for it and been pulled up by the security guard and, you know, had that conversation, you know, she's taken this, pretending she put it there and didn't realise and so on and so forth. And it got particularly bad. And at that point, I think my mum explained to me that even when she was a young girl, my nan was actually quite the alcoholic. Mm. Like and how old were you? Sorry, to cut in. how old were you at that point? So, so I was, so, so when I didn't notice it, I was kind of, like I say, like between the age of like eight to 12, maybe something like that, give mm. or take, just before my dad left. Um, but I was probably 17, 18 at this point. I was definitely right. driving. So if I work around the car that I had, so 19, yeah, I had a Escort RS Turbo at the time, showing my age and boy racer attitude. Um, and I remember coming home because I'd not long had the car and pulled up outside the house. And my aunt's car was there. <clears throat> so were my cousin's cars. And I went in and my mum was in tears and I kind of went oh what's she done now because that was mm. what was happening at the time do you know what I mean that was the process is there was something that my nan would have done where she'd been drinking um and actually that was the point where my cousin went she's dead you know and she must have been she was 67 I think give or take about 67 so she was still relatively young bearing in mind my mum's 68 now my name was 67 and <clears throat> yeah my mum was upset you know she was obviously crying she was very 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 distraught um because my mum and my nan were probably they were probably the closest in the family all my other all, all my other aunts and uncles had moved kind of further away so my mum and my right. nan lived closest so she was really quite close to her regardless of the fact that even as a youngster my mum used to take the brunt of my nan's anger when she was drunk so a bit of a weird relationship, but very much a loving one, but very hard hitting to my mum. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so we'd found out, obviously, that she'd, she'd, she'd died. And it wasn't till a little bit further on in the conversation that actually found out that she'd been killed as opposed to have just died. So she hadn't actually had an alcoholic overdose or done something stupid because she'd been drinking. She was actually killed by some young kids. Um so, yeah, it turns out that, or, or kind of half 
thinking about what might have happened and speculations because obviously kids are never going to tell the truth although we do know who did it the the kind of theory was is that my nan would go to town she'd get some shopping she'd get back to where she lived which was kind of a it was a um, a residential area for the elderly but with a warden but they kind of could come and go as they pleased type thing um these young lads from the local area well known to the police their parents the families well known to the police they're quite rough little assholes as the case may be you know what i mean you know where i'm coming from with these kind of families don't you yeah absolutely yeah you know, think they own the bloody place and absolutely no discipline parents are just as bad um and they really were just as bad um she came home from shopping she got to her door the lads would normally help her take her stuff to her house which they did again this time they oh we'll give you a hand and she would give them like a fiver or something then they'd go off and they'd go buy sweets or whatever they'd do we'd start drugs earlier that family yeah. um and this time she didn't have anything to give them so they just got a bit wordy with her and started being arseholy with her anyway she went in and sat down undoubtedly drink would have had a um a small part to play in this because she would have been drinking and she fell asleep at home in her flat okay and he's gone round the other side of the uh the the block of flats she's in the window was open and they flicked a lit cigarette into her house and that right hit the sofa that she was on the sofa caught fire she didn't wake up don't think I need to explain the rest, but basically mm. she was alive. Right. Um, so, in it, obviously, it was nothing they could do. Uh, by the time they got the fire brigade there, put the fire out, done all they needed to do, it was, you know, there was nothing to do. Um, and these kids, effectively, in out of all this, they, they got away with it. You know, they, you know, there was no real proof as much as there was speculation around the the square where she was. No one actually saw it. No one could prove it. But with the way that that those families and where those teenagers were, that word got spread around. So, you know, it just goes to show that that's that one act of kindness that she used to provide to them for helping them. She couldn't do it. The reaction that was given to her for that led in her losing her life. The biggest impact for me, again, emotionless beast. Um, I was angry specifically that people got away with it but my my emotion at that point was really more towards my mum seeing how upset she was so that's where kind of my direction of my emotion and my my process went so it wasn't about me or how angry I felt or how difficult it was for me it was more for how my mum was so yeah so that was that was kind of the that's my first real big emotional challenge through life Bit big for our family as well. Really affected us for mm. a reason. So, what was the? I mean, you know, forgive me for asking, but what was kind of the the recorded reason for death then on the on that? Do you know? So, suspected arson, right? Okay, is what they put put it down as. I think so. They were. It was clear because my nan didn't smoke. She didn't have yeah. cigarettes in the house. So she and she was not smoke. Um, uh, from the from the fire officer's report it looked like that's what had happened he kind of had assumed in that respect the way that had happened certainly hadn't it was the i think the cigarette butt was far enough away from my nan for it to have been placed there as opposed to have her dropping something 
Right. Yep. And the only ingress into that room was the window. Nobody got into, there was no forced entry. The door wasn't open. So no one got into the house. So it had to have been an outside factor. So the suspected arson was, was pretty much where they were with that. Right. Okay. And I guess the, you know, well, God, almost that back looking at where we are now, DNA probably wasn't as prevalent back then. You know, you'd be able to probably get DNA samples from a, a cigarette butt now than. Well, it depends on the state of it, I guess, really. But you're oh, right. True. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, medical and scientific advancements now, you'd, you'd wouldn't be surprised, would you? Yeah. But, but yeah, so it was, um, yeah, a bit of a, bit of a sad time for the family. I mean, she was, she was getting herself into a pretty bad state with alcohol. Mm. Um, you know, and you sit there and just go, she was, she was becoming an absolute nightmare. She really was, but she just didn't deserve that. Well, no, I guess ultimately the alcoholism is, is a, is a side, isn't it? Really? It wasn't a direct, uh, factor in her death. No, and this is what I'm saying is is more than anything, she probably got drunk and fell asleep. And had she not been drinking, she might have woken up at um at some point to realise that the house was on fire. Yeah. I think that's the only that's the only thing is that for me, if she hadn't have been drinking, she may well have been able to save herself. Yeah. And and not that it excuses what happened, but it just goes to show, doesn't it, that the effects of drink can be just absolutely terrible, you know. Mm-hmm. She could still be with us now, for we know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because she was, she was a strong old bird. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. So that was issue number one. He says, "Was it issue? That was part one of experience, three. Experience, yeah, yeah, experience one of three. Um, the second one, same side as the family as well. Uh, so this was my nan's son, so mum's brother, my uncle. Yeah. Um." He was, so he's a bad lad, was a bad lad, um, a real bad lad. So he got in with um, circles with, oh, I'm not even going to say, well, I can say it, no one's really going to care. He got into circles in London around the craze and they're, they're sort of backing off of their gangs and groups. So yeah. He was quite quite well known in East London. He was, <clears throat> he, he was a great uncle, right? He really was. He would do anything for anyone. He was very loyal to our family. Um, but he was very different to my mum. So my mum's quite, you know, quite clean and proper, if that makes yeah. sense. She's got, very much got the, the Dartford accent. Oh, darling, Sank, how you doing? But she's, um, she's very, she's been well brought up. She knows how to conduct herself, manage herself and live her life. My uncle was an absolute fucking nightmare. You know, it just... If he could get into trouble, he would. <laughs> right, you know, it's like, okay. like oh, look, there's an option. I'll get into trouble. Um, but again, I've got a, a lot, had a lot of fond memories of this uncle because when I was a kid, his daughters, he had two twins, because um, that's what twins are, two, obviously. Yeah. He had twins. Um, and they, we used to go and spend time with them and um, very, very fond memories of spending time with my cousins. Really, really good. I haven't, literally haven't seen them since, you know, just since they were kids um but my uncle was always always had the newest furniture or the nicest tv there was always something and you don't really put your finger on shit like that do you really really notice it so much um but i'll make long story short uh a few years back probably maybe eight nine years now probably should know but i don't um 
they started acting a bit weird. So he'd moved into a flat with his partner in Thamesmead and they were, they were having some troubles in the flat. Like they were getting mold on the walls and they kept on saying, look, you know, you need to get this moved and you need to get this sorted and cleared up. We've got problems here. And the landlord was refusing to do it. So my uncle was refusing to pay the rent. I think back then at the time as well, you know, you just don't do that, do you? No. Nope. You know, the moment you start refusing rent, you know, so the landlord got umpty and he ended up putting an eviction notice in. So he was getting quite stressed about money and my uncle didn't have the money to sort the problem and he was getting into a lot of trouble and a lot of stress was sort of building up for him. And he started, he turned up at the house and he bought a bike. He just bought a bike and said, oh, you know, do your lads want this? And at the time, I think my younger brother, um, you know, he was 10 years younger than me. So what's that? So 10, it would have been early 20s maybe he was like oh well, that's a bit random so yeah no have a bike have a bike and the first thing we were thinking that's someone's bike yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. where's that come from and he said like, no no you're all right said, no 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 i've got your bike said, no no it's all right we don't no, take it away give it give it to someone else you know we don't really want that and then a few weeks later he was like oh i've got a really nice laptop oh maybe i can give it to you to your to your son talking to my mum let me give it to your son you know he might, he might want it don't worry about giving me any money for it. Nice, 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 nice laptop. Trying to give stuff away. It was really, really unusual for him because, as much as he was, like I said, doing anything for family, he wouldn't just do it randomly. So everyone was a bit confused. Mm. Anyway, a few weeks later, he's, he's somewhere side of the road, hose pipe in the exhaust, sellotaped up window. He's gassed himself in his car. Because right. he just couldn't take it anymore. You know, suicide note saying, you know, just, you know, we all got a little bit on top of mm. him and didn't know where to turn. And I think he was hoping that by his death, it would basically sort out all his financial problems, but not smart enough to realise that death by suicide is probably not going to help you at all. Yeah. And actually all he ended up doing was actually leaving <laughs> his partner at the time with a lot of debt. So that was another coming home to my mum in tears having lost a mum, now losing her brother, um, in close kind of unexpected to... ways. Um, now you're asking. It's probably a good decade between them, I think. Maybe. Right, because okay, so it's not like you'd almost, you could say that they're, they're, they were related in that sense. No, they weren't. They weren't no, linked. No, no. no, no. And it's, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was sad because of as much as it was a nightmare, he was really nice. You know, mm. he was a nice guy. He was rough as they come. You know, there's always one in a family, isn't there? There's always, I think I'm the one in mine. Yeah, me <laughs> no, probably in mine. I'm the black sheep. Um, but he, yeah, he was, but he would have done anything for anyone. It was really sad. And I think, I, you know, like I say, he tried to do something to try and make things better and that failed. But I think for me, that was the one that made me think, do you know what, this is, this is where mental health is a real, it is a real problem. It is because he could. There was so many. There was so much pressure, and he never said a damn word to anyone until his death. You know, the only way we found out was because he'd killed himself. That there was completely oblivious to anything because no one saw the signs. No one knew mm. what to look for. No one knew that him trying to give stuff away might have been a reason for him wanting to do something silly. And now we're brighter, wiser people that we probably know more about that. I do specifically. If somebody started to try and give me a load of stuff, I'd be like alarm bells would be out through the window so well that was going to be my question so do you, do you, that you know was obviously a sign then i guess of you know him 
almost parting with his worldly goods or, you know, wanting to give you something nice before he'd he'd done it. So he was obviously already having those Absolutely. thoughts at that time, you know. Yeah, yeah, I do, I, do, I do think so. I think it really was, that was, I don't know whether it was a cry for help or if it was exactly what you just said, mm. just giving away stuff for the sake of wanting to do the nice stuff before he went anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, you don't, I don't, well, I don't think a lot of people think about it. I don't, you don't, because we, unless you're really reading up about stuff or being taught about this, you don't know what signs to look for. No, no, I agree. And although it was out of the ordinary for him to a degree to just start chucking stuff away, the only out of the ordinary bit was for him to just do it randomly. He would give mm. stuff away all the time because he was just built like that. So it was kind of like a, well, that was an out of the ordinary odd kind of thing. It wasn't as out of ordinary for us to, you alarm bells to start ting 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 in so so you didn't spot but, it as much because he was normally used to used to that kind of behavior yeah. plus i was younger at the time <clears> as well <throat> so i was out you know just going to pubs and getting on my job and going out of an evening and all that you know didn't really didn't really sit in my head as anything to think about you know, yeah. like i said for me mental health didn't exist back then you know i was just no. living my life you know, mm. so I was just oblivious to it all. And then, you know, growing up and being older now and being wiser to a degree, um, <laughs> you, you do kind of see it. But yeah, yeah, so that was that was another big impact to the family. Because, um, you know, like, like I say, you lose a, a, a mum, you lose a brother, you know, Uncle Nan, whatever. It's a lot to lose in the space of any time. And then yeah. to top it off, following that for experience number three, it's my dad, you know, and that was that was a that wasn't unexpected because mm. my dad was ill. Um, <clears throat> but so, bit of context: dad left my mum when I was about twelve, maybe ish, give or take. I was probably one of the out of the three brothers. I was the only one that didn't really have a problem with him. Right, like he okay. left. And he moved on and he did what he did, but I didn't hate him. I didn't have any issues. Mm. You know, I never, I never ever at any point chastised him for it or had a go at him for it. I just, it, it was what it was where my older brother really, really wasn't happy with him. My younger brother was quite young at the time. He was probably about two years old, 18 months, two years old. So he didn't really know any different, but as he got older, he found it harder to spend time with my dad and his new family because he had more children not his they were stepchildren but right yeah. yeah and and there were conflicts and and whatnot and i think my dad found it difficult to to manage the two separately so that caused some problems with my younger brother but for me and you know how chilled i am right i just mm -hmm. got on with it i just you know i had a very good relationship with my dad um it was really close to him he's really 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 close to him and he developed a uh, an illness um, and I'm going to try and say it but I will get it wrong it's aspergillosis I think it's called but basically his lungs were fucked um, right. and on top of that he also had ankylosing spondylitis which meant that his rib cage only expanded 30% of the way because the cage wouldn't move with the lungs so it kind of locked so not only did he have minimum rib cage moving capacity he had minimum lung capacity which was yeah. growing a fungal infection so basically essentially just starving him of oxygen 
Yeah. Okay. Num- yeah. Number of real problems that caused, obviously. Lack of energy, yeah. obviously. Um, big one was his memory, causing him to change quite dramatically. He'd forget stuff all the time. Um, Sorry, why, why was would that? Very... Is that just lack of oxygen to the brain? Is that the? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I didn't. I mean, again, I didn't really. I didn't really know enough about it, but I think the lack of oxygen was what was causing brain function along with the, the actual infection itself. So right. bear in mind, it's a fungal infection. So if you think of infections in general, look at water infections. Mm. Some water infections can make you go absolutely mad, start thinking yeah. things never happened. So it's only like that. So I'd be the same sort of thing. He was going downhill quite rapidly uh, towards the end of, towards the end of his life. And, um, he would only he was only able to be treated up in Manchester. And I've been like living in Kent, so I'd used to take my dad to Manchester once a month, and I talk remember about, you doing it, yeah, yeah, talk about some of the stuff that he would or wouldn't do, um, you know, since he was feeling ill. So like, what 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 was he capable of doing? What couldn't he do now? And a lot of the time, he was even struggling to walk at this point, you know. And we were talking yeah. to the doctors and saying, like, what can you do? What can you do? They tried all sorts of medication on him to try and make him comfortable to fix it to do whatever they need to but they wouldn't spend the money it's something like 60 grand for this medication or this new medication they would not spend the medication money on the medication that could have potentially saved his life because it was too expensive so whilst they were too busy trying all the cheap shit on him he died and you know, there's no proof that this other medication could have saved his life so there's no malpractice or god knows what just that the treatment was shit right because they should have tried it it's all about money you know save his life that would have been a lot easier but i guess you know you don't really know if it would have fixed it if it would have done it or how long it would have prolonged his life for yeah but he was suffering bless him um but you know after all that in the end he he ended up coming back down to kent we stopped going to manchester before he died and he ended up in you'll know this choice green hospital in um, in Dartford. Yep. Is it Joyce Green? Now, what's it called now? It's got no Darren name. Valley, you think? Darth Valley. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So it was in Darth Valley. There you go. So it was in Darth Valley because Joyce Green's yeah. been closed for years. Um, and we kind of got the call. You know, he's not. He's really not well. I mean, I went to see him so many times. I mean, honestly, you know how much you love your parents when you're having to help your dad go to the toilet in the bed into a little pot. Mm. You know, I mean, it's like that. It, some of it was just horrible to have to deal with. You know, but you do it because they're your parents and they spent their time looking after you. So it is what it is. Um, but he started to forget all sorts of stuff. He never forgot who I was, which was good. I, I, that made me quite happy because he, I was there enough around him for him to remember me, which is great. Mm. But um, we were, we given the call, you know, he's probably not got long left to live. So we went to uh, the hospital, we sat there. There was, I was there, my stepmom was there, a couple of the children were there, my brothers were there. So there was a lot of us in this room. Um, and I was sort of sat next to my dad. I was holding his hand, chatting away. So I was one side and my stepmom was the other side. And he was gone at this point, you know, he was alive, but he wasn't yeah. um, he, he wasn't speaking. He was eyes were closed, his mouth was open, he was just shallow breathing. So I kind of went out to the nurse and said, look, you know, he's not doing anything. We don't know if he's passed or not we can't really tell she came and she went no he's still alive but it won't be long now because he's clearly not feeling great and then so about 10 maybe 20 minutes later my dad kind of let, let out this really big 
breath, you know, kind of that yeah. last breath type thing that people do. Let out this light, light, light breath and just kind of deflated and stopped at yeah. that point. So I was like, I think that's, I think that's pretty much what we're looking for. You know, that's that's there's your proof that that that's happened now. So you know, I went mm. out to the nurse again. I went, you know, I think he's just breathed. Can you come take a look? She came in. She confirmed yes. You know, he did passed, and you know, she was going to give us some time to spend. Um, you know, there are lots of tears. Yeah, lots of people hugging. You know, lots of sadness. Again, talking about lack of emotion. Me, not from me. You mm. know, uh, I think even at that point, I looked at it, it was like. Well, that's just an that's my dad's body. Yeah, you know, I don't. I'm what it doesn't you know? He's been out of it for ages now. He's no different now than he was two days ago. Yeah, you know, and he was never going to get any better. Very shallow thoughts, but this is just how my head works. How I deal oh. with grief. Mm-hmm. So I went out and said to the nurse, and that said, "What do we need to do now? You know, what's the next process? You know, the particulars need to be taken. Things need to be sorted out, and he needs to be removed. And we'll give you some time and whatnot." Um, so I signed some forms, did some bits, made sure that everything was dealt with, that any jewellery that he had, any p- personal possessions were kept safe and passed to yeah. my stepmom once they were done. Uh, I went out to the corridor. I spoke to my mum, told her, um, phoned work, told them, mm-hmm. went back into the room, spent a little bit of time there. And then I went back to work about the same day. I just, and I think I was travelling at that point. Um, so I was, I definitely remember driving under the tunnel or going through the tolls because they were still there then. Yeah. Um, go through the tolls. And I'd just been speaking to my boss and he was like, oh my God, take the afternoon off. So I like, no, I'd much rather work. There's nothing mm. I can do. There was nothing to do at home with my family. They were all very much supported together. I'd already asked my family if they needed me specifically for anything. Given my hugs, given my, you know, had those conversations, been there for a shoulder to cry on probably felt like I would have been better for me not to be there because I didn't show emotion. So the thought process for me was like, that's probably going to make some people angry, you know? Mm. So I kind of just, I kind of just went back to work and I just got on with my work and then just made sure that I was there when I was needed. And and I was, I was there for the funeral um, discussions. I was there for absolutely. Yeah. I spoke, I even spoke at his funeral, you know, that I got up and I, I had a, a lovely chat about my dad because I absolutely adored the guy, mm. but it was just not in me to shed a tear or to be emotional about it because my stupidly logical brain was like, well, he's dead. I want to keep the good memories in my head. I want to just think about how happy I am that my dad was alive and the shit that I did with him. You know? And I guess different, you know, people deal with grief in different ways, don't they? And we could probably do a whole episode talking about, different types of grief but um I, I get it you know i'm i'm not too dissimilar i do get emotional i don't you know but i'm i'm quite a private person when it comes to things like that i'm not the you know i wouldn't necessarily stand in a room of people and and express emotion but but certainly be in a closed off room by myself and and want to you know take those five minutes to to grieve um but it's yeah, it, it it's interesting how how different people deal with it in different ways, and you know, I don't know whether there's a wrong or a right way. Really, there's no there's no uh, there's no manual with this, you know. Yeah, and and you know, I'd like to think there was no judgment over it just because mm. I didn't sit there and cry at the time because you know, like I said, you know, I adored my dad. Um, of course, I was sad. Yeah, I was absolutely devastated that he he died you know but i was devastated 
the two weeks beforehand when he ended up in hospital when we knew what was going to happen. Mm. You know, there was a period of time that I was able to kind of condition myself to understand what was going on. And at some point, I'm going to get some pretty shit news. Yeah. And as, and that is sad. It's in, it's horrible. But when he died, there was nothing I could do to bring him back. There was no. nothing I could do to change what had happened. And that's where my brain is built stupidly mm. because it'll just go, well, there's nothing I can do about it. So what's the point? And that's how my brain does that in a lot of ways. <laughs> that, whatever. whatever. Um, but, but I was distraught. I was upset. I just didn't show emotion. And, and I sit there and I just used to say to myself, what's wrong with me? You know, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why don't I do this? What is, what is up with me? And for ages, I used to think, what is wrong with me? Until someone said exactly what you just said there. People deal with stuff very differently. Mm. Make it right, make it wrong. People have a very different way of dealing with it. And actually, there's a lot of people that have emotional states that they manifest when they're on their own, like you do. You'll go and take that five, ten minutes in a room on your own to deal with the grief or the pain that you're going through. So actually don't judge me people out there for not crying in the day or in front of everybody or spilling my emotions because you don't know what I'm doing behind closed doors. Um, and that I think is very important when you're thinking about people and looking at how people grieve is be very wary of how they deal with their emotions. Cause firsthand, I can tell you now I was a very sad bunny. I just didn't, I just didn't share it with the world. Yep. And you don't have to. No, 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 there's no law. It might be better for some people, but it's not for me or others. So, but yeah, so, so that's it. So that was, I think that's the, that was probably the toughest one I've had to deal with, with my dad, because I was close to my dad, like the toughest in, in total, the, the trying to get him better, the frustrations around the hospitals and the doctors, the you know lack of medical um, success, all of that sort of stuff. Were, it was hard because you just, the, the bit for me that was tough was watching him suffer. Yeah. It was harder to watch him suffer than it was to let him go. And that was probably the toughest bit. I mean, I hate that that concept that, you know, medication is too expensive. Um, I, I've had, personally had experience of that, where I've had a stand-up argument with a GP over uh, medication. Um, and that was, you know, for myself in that instance, you know, um, it was kind of a along the lines of, you know, well, this this drug costs one thousand two hundred pounds. Are you sure you really need it? You know, and it's like, I don't care. You know, I my my view is, I pay a lot of tax and national insurance each month. I use the health service very very rarely, but when I do, I don't expect to be questioned over over the money. You know, that's yeah. part of having a national health service. That's not that's not within my kind of uh, I don't know the words I'm looking for. Expectations, you know, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think it's shocking. You shouldn't have that, to make yeah. that decision, really, should you? That's the thing, isn't it? If it's needed, you're medical. You sort it out. Spend the bloody money if you need it. Mm. Stop yeah, asking me with it because my answer is always going to be yes. <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? When yeah. you, do you do, you really need it. Yes, <laughs> you know, and, and much like you, you sit there and go. I mean, I've paid into the National Health Service since I've been working, since I was 16. That's many years. Yeah. Um, and I sit there and I just think to myself, I don't I don't use the NHS. I just don't use it. Mm. And if I have used it, it's been a handful of times, especially as a kid, you know, 
tonsils, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I think the, the last time I spent a night in hospital in a hospital bed was when I had my tonsils out and I was in my early teens. In fact, I was probably in my before my teens. That is the last time I spent time in a hospital bed. Yeah. And you yeah. just sit there and go to yourself, why can't you put that money in? Yeah, I agree. And I don't, um, yeah, I don't want to think I'm having a, a, a dig at, you know, the, the people that work in the NHS. I think they do some fantastic work, but I just, I get, particularly that riles me up on the basis that, you know, there's pharmaceutical companies out there that are making billions of pounds of profit yep. each year. Um, you know, we know from during COVID and some of the reports that came out, the NHS aren't exactly very smart when it comes to spending their money um, with some of the contracts they've got in place with third parties um, and, and coming down to brass tacks. You know, when you get to a point where you're having a conversation about somebody's life over whether, you know, the NHS can afford the drug to treat them is just ridiculous. Yep, absolutely. And it, it, is, it is, it's the poor spending awful mm. spending within the nhs and probably way too many bonuses for people again like anywhere else yeah and it, it, it puts you going off subject slightly but it puts you into that question around privatization you know make it a business you know your your nurses will get paid better you know because they'll get salaried you know i guess it depends what privatization means doesn't it because if privatization means you go to an america-based model where everybody has to have health insurance that's absolutely not where you'd want to be no, no, absolutely not. Um, You're right. But again, I guess the risk with privatisation is, you know, they become a, a corporate entity with shareholders, with people to report to that, you know, are going to want to be a, getting bang for their buck. Yeah, accountability as well, isn't it? It adds more accountability. But mm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is, is you look how it works in America, yeah? So you buy insurance. So what your national insurance just assume you pay whatever it is you pay into national insurance at the moment into an insurance policy a month. Yeah. So it's a couple of hundred quid Then your insurance policy yep. is a couple of hundred quid, whatever. I don't know. Um, there are people out there that unfortunately will not pay for national, will not pay for insurance. Yeah. That's the problem. Right? So at the moment you pay national insurance based on what you earn, don't you? You do. It's, is it 12%? I think something like that. Yeah. Some of that. But if you were to, get a job that paid less money then your monthly payment to national insurance might be 100 pounds as where ours mm. might be 250 but a policy might be 200 pounds so you've got people yeah. out there that can't afford to get that policy because they don't earn enough money that's mm. when it becomes a problem and then you get people like in america where they don't have insurance because they've either just not done it because they're admin shit or they can't afford it so you do end up lending the situation to different problems so that there is that um but then again i would expect that an insurance policy wouldn't cost 200 quid if you look at what a lot of insurance policies now cost private medical insurance doesn't even cost that a month so no no but, but i suppose it's not you know, just uh it, it's not just your medical expense is it that's the thing i mean i, I think looking at uh National insurance, it contributes towards your state pension, obviously, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even though I think yeah. by the time you and I get to retire, you'll probably have to be 80 before you can start receiving that, the way the government are going. But anyway, we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, 
and it covers you know job yeah. seekers allowed so jsa if you were ever out of a job maternity payments if you're taking time off for uh and certainly you know in in my experience with my other half who was not doing enough hours at work to receive uh company maternity pay then statutory maternity pay kicked in so that that does but you but you know to a degree if you went actually insurance is going to cost you 100 quid a month and we're going to reduce your national insurance contribution by 100 quid a month and it nets out doesn't it that and that's the bit isn't it it's making sure that whatever process people go through to create a better working better funded nhs that you make sure that no one ends up missing out yeah except for maybe the fat cats that get paid a bundle off the back of stuff being done mm. <laughs> they can miss out because you look at it it's same with anything billions of pounds being made or million t- hundreds of millions of pounds being made for electrical companies billions of pounds being made by pharmaceutical companies off the back of joe public yeah yeah and it's just it's always been the same so yeah you've got to try and survive in this world mate absolutely absolutely yeah anyway that's my uh that's my depressing discussion for the day i don't think it's depressing i think it's insightful and it gives you know our listeners some insight in terms of you know what you've been through in your life and you know what what's kind of brought you to where you are now also tells people that i'm a completely emotional like devoid of emotions and they probably feel really sorry for my other half (laughs) 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 quite rightly so oh but there you go. Yeah. So, so, well, it's a little bit about me. I mean, at least now any listeners will know a little bit about the uh, things that have brought me to want to talk more about this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's good. Uh, it's good insight. And, uh, you know, I think as we've we've said all along, you know, it's we'd never discourage anybody from talking about their issues, but it's got to be, you know, when you're you're comfortable to do it. Absolutely. So. Uh, so there we go. I mean, that's. Uh, that's that's been really good i think we are kind of 50 minutes in so we can we can wrap it up there sounds good to me sounds Um, good to me look and and you know if anybody's been affected by similar situations it's panned out differently maybe you know something's happened in your life to a family member that's not the norm and you've not known how to deal with it or you're worried about your emotions and about how you deal with them you know speak to somebody have a chat to friends family don't be scared to talk to people but also if you want to jump on these podcasts and talk about it and you want to share your experiences and the ways that you dealt with grief or how you dealt with things please do because you know everyone as we said before everyone manages this kind of grief very differently and it might be that some of you got much different insight to the way that you deal with it to the way that i have um but still the most important thing, I think, really, the message we'll always give is if, if you're ever worried or if you ever need to then talk, find someone to speak to, be it professional or be it just friends or family. Hugely important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as always, you know, in the show notes, we'll put some useful contacts for people if they want to chat to people, or, you know, get some get some support and advice. That's uh, that's a given. Excellent. So, Lovely. Uh, OK, so I think, you know, we've got. The next episode will we'll conclude season two um, and we've got something a bit interesting to do next season. So um, I found a really powerful video online the other day and it was uh, it was a guy talking about um, 
you know, look at your life and look at what you've achieved in your life. So the, the, the premise of it is write a eulogy for yourself as if you were standing up at your funeral and giving a eulogy if you died today. So we're going to we're going to have a crack at that. So we're going to write our, our eulogies and then we're going to uh, present them back and then have a bit of a conversation around it. Love it. Can't wait for that. Quite interesting. I I literally have got anxiety thinking about writing my own eulogy, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's it'll be incredibly interesting, I think. Mm. And to, to to dissect them afterwards and um go through them is quite interesting. We'll be brutal with each other, won't we? I think we'll be honest and open. What we think? Absolutely, you always are. Hmm. I I often wonder what a real eulogy would be. Sometimes you hear people that. You know, the news every single time somebody dies on the news, they always go, He was such a lovely person, he would have done anything for <laughs> anyone. He was the nicest go, person, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I knew him for 20 years, and I swear to yeah. god, I've been spending this amount of time to finally tell you what I think of him. But it is, you don't get that, do you? You only ever get, Oh, he was such a lovely, he could have been a bloody murderous psychopath, and somebody go, Oh, he was, I oh, was so kind at heart, really. Oh, you'd never yeah. have known he was the loveliest person. It's like, Oh, god, somebody just tell us what you think but then i yeah. guess you wouldn't say shit on the radio but that is be interesting to see what would happen if people just told the truth well we can certainly be brutal and honest when we're writing our own can't we exactly that exactly that so looking forward to that anyway but there you go yeah so that'd be good so we'll uh we'll wrap that up in a couple of weeks and then we'll uh we'll take a break over the uh the summer months into the autumn and then we'll be back fresh with uh with season three excellent very good Right. Okay. Lovely. Right. Well, I think we're done for now, then, aren't we? We can. Uh, well, been a longer episode today, so we'll head off now, and uh, we'll say our goodbyes. I hope everyone has a wonderful couple of weeks, and we will be back in touch on the last episode in uh, in a couple of weeks. Definitely. We'll see you then. Lovely. Take care, all. See you later. Said your nan at onthemend.org.uk or at Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Said Your Nan. If you'd like to donate to the On The Mend charity, please feel free to buy us a coffee. The link can be found in our show notes. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will speak to you soon.